This is a Media Lab podcast. Dave, do you do you hear scratching or something? I, I hear scratching. Nah, just just go back to sleep. The thing about it is that off mic in this deep and rich fiction that we are creating here on Kyle and Dave versus the Machine, it's just a wonderful thing that apparently the stuff that makes up stars, right? And you know this. We were, we were talking to that scientist the other week. What was his name again? Uh, Doctor Ash. Astro? Correct. Dr. Astro. Great improv, Dave. Yes, we're talking to Dr. Astro, and he was talking about how, like, the things that make up stars are just, they're actually very tiny rats. And Mm, and, and it gets you to thinking... In common knowledge, obviously, every physician, every physician, that's what I was about to say. Every physicist. Physicians, too. I mean, if you're you're going to fix something, (laughs) you got to know about rats. You, You feel so small as a human being when you you know, look out at the cosmos and really take a moment to ponder the fact that we're all made out of rat stuff. So, star rats. That's a palindrome, Dave. Did you know that? Star rats? Oh, you do hate rats. You spend a lot of time thinking about stuff like this, don't you? In ancient Greece, the uh, word Adam actually meant rat dropping. So, uh, you know, that works. Is that true? Absolutely not. On a rinky-dink spaceship headed back to Earth, Kyle and Dave are stuck on board with an evil machine. This giant robot is forcing them to watch films it picks. If they don't obey, then it'll be the end of the world. Again. This is mostly Kyle's fault, but he's not going to face an apocalypse alone, especially not on this ship that seems to be held together with tape and imagination. This is Kyle and Dave versus The Machine. Welcome to Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm Rat Boy. And I'm the Machine. This is a podcast where a sentient machine was forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. And then another apocalypse happened. Somehow it's used its powers to transport us across time and space. So now we're on our way back to Earth. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to. Although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, the machine has openly wished a vendetta upon my very soul because we have to watch Blah, Willard. This is Willard. And these are his friends. Ben and Socrates. I'm going to have a big surprise tomorrow. Willard takes good care of them. What's that in your pocket? There's something in your pocket! And they will do anything for Willard. Walter, please, Walter, there's something outside the door. Of course, like a big thank you to our patrons, Green Girl YYC, and It's a Conspiracy Podcast. Dave, here's the thing. You make fun of me about how squeamy I get around any type of vermin, mice, rats, voles, etc. Right, we had a long talk about voles once. Yeah, <laughs> voles. You like to have your little laugh em ups at my expense. You, you like to little poke a little fun at me. But I think in order to really talk about this movie, we need to actually have two people on the podcast that have actually watched the movie. Because I'm going to tell you right right now, I'm going to probably be watching this movie through my hands for most of this. (laughs) So I don't think I'll have actually seen 
the entirety of this movie. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm amazed <laughs> that we have anything to talk about. I'm also yeah. amazed that uh, this was selected, frankly, because uh, the machine, Dave, the machine hates us. Absolutely. Why I'm bringing this up? We just said it's a conspiracy podcast. Why not bring on the preeminent authority on conspiracies? Maybe he'll be able to figure out why the machine has it out for me so much. So let's bring on Andrew Scott, co-host of It's a Conspiracy Podcast. Let me just dial him up here. Andrew, is that you? Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. Hey. Oh, good. Connection Connection is on here. We see your projection. Perfect. Do people still say dialed? Sorry, I use my rotary phone here to (laughs) get Andrew on the line. Operator. (laughs) Operator. (laughs) Yellow. Andrew, Scott, of course, you are a co-host of the uh, It's a Conspiracy podcast, mm-hmm. who uh, you also happen to be one of our uh, supporters over on Patreon. Thank you so You're much. You're very welcome. Thank you. You deal, of course, with conspiracies of the supernatural sometimes, mm-hmm. of the uh, the elite of our society. First and foremost, why do you think, or what is the conspiracy? Help us break this down of why the machine is forcing me to watch a movie about rats, which I am deathly afraid of. That's a good question. So the machine in an act of, uh, I guess you'd want to say advanced pay it forward reciprocity. It understands that it it is trying to prepare you for something. So I don't want to say there's (laughs) a giant rat in your future, but there's something that this, this will serve you going forward by giant are we talking like six feet mm. oh. i mean <laughs> there are there are rats in some places in the world that are larger than cats and that terrifies me yeah yeah they're, they're called raccoons they live in toronto <laughs> <That's> <laughs> disgusting i guess first andrew why we called you up we're wondering if you have the time to both watch uh, the movie willard and then you know talk about it here on the podcast i would love to are we get, okay. That sounds great. Let's do this. Excellent. Before we get to that, I think we do need to talk about our history with this film. Uh, but I want to know your history with rats. Because I think the fascinating thing is we're, we're all right now. Mm-hmm. Well, we're me and Dave are in space, yep. but we're from Alberta. Andrew, you're from Alberta. Yes. Which is one of the only places on Earth that does not have rats. Mm-hmm. So, but tell me, what is your history with rats? My history with rats is, so the first time I ever saw a rat in real life, IRL, uh, I, was, I was in the States and I was shocked. It was like, that's a giant mouse and look at its horrifying lizard tail. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a rat. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I lived in Japan for a couple of years and I saw a few people that had rats as pets. And it was like, oh, they're and they're like, aren't they cute? They're so like, this is Mr. Squeaks and and Captain Whiskers. <laughs> and it's like, no, don't don't have those in your home. They're going to get out. They're going to touch everything. I'm going to piss so many people off. I'm going to steal a phrase that Dave likes to use maybe a little bit too much. But Come anyone on. who has pet rats has something psychologically wrong. With them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is, they're not pets. They're vermin and they should be eradicated. <laughs> No, no personal bias there. Yeah, no yeah. personal bias. <laughs> don't sugar, don't tiptoe around how you feel. Just, you know. That's right. Like, actually, <laughs> tell us. How about you, Dave? Dave, what is your history of rats? I don't really have a history of rats. In Toronto, actually, we had one mouse uh, in our condo once, tiny little field mouse. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, I bought a live trap at Home Depot. And I learned at that time that ra- uh, mice eat peanut butter more than they like cheese. So, we baited it. And we actually caught it, but uh, unlike a fat rat, field mice are like imperceptibly light. So, we came home one day and it was closed. 
And I picked it up. I'm like, do you think it's in here? And I opened it and the fucking thing jumped out and I screamed because like, you know, I was just like, what the fuck? And then we had to catch it again and I, I drove it out. So, I don't have a irrational phobia. You are psychotic, Dave. Why would you open it up in your house? <laughs> Unlike you, Kyle, uh, I was fine after the uh, jump scare. Yeah, other than that, uh, I'm trying to remember if I knew someone with a rat. I think so. I once babysat an iguana. So that's nothing to do with a rat. What are you strange talking about? Strange pets. It's not a. It's yeah. not to be shamed. Okay, Kyle. You shouldn't shame people with weird right. pets. Mm, I I can shame whom I want, but uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to place exactly where my phobia started because I actually do biology have class. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I do actually have a memory of like seeing a mouse in the barn and stuff like that, and you know, the cats killing it. And, and that didn't bother me like being that close. But at some point there was just a switch that flipped that made me terrified of them. Mice in particular. There was also one Christmas where our house became infested with them. And so th that, when that you're like play. woken up in the middle of the night as it's crawling up your wall or it like runs out at you when you're trying to get breakfast in the morning, like it just it couldn't go anywhere without being terrified. Didn't sleep for the entire night two months that that was happening. Why is there a mystery, Kyle? I mean, that's clearly, <laughs> that is a clear marker. Yeah. There's also this clear memory when we first moved to the farm, we were, we were cleaning up the barn and uh, we were taking out this old tarp. And we wanted to unfurl it, see if it was any good or if we had to toss it. So we carry it all out into the middle of the yard, we rip it open, and I am not joking, <laughs> when at bare minimum 50 mice came right oh. out like me and my, my like my family talks about this like it's just like boom and like the barn cats go fucking wild like they're running after everything my mother has like become a ghost of herself she's like in the house already she's just bolting me and my brother are, like jumping up on the cars and stuff so that they're not running up our legs and stuff um anyways so some traumatic experiences have happened in my childhood bruce davidson showed up and he was like oh it's Ben. It's Ben. It's Ben and Socrates. <laughs> I enjoy how much Kyle is terrified. So I'm very, I'm very deeply thankful that I live in Alberta where there aren't giant versions of those. I think people are like so shocked. But if you like, I go to Wikipedia, go to the entry on rats and it says like the territory of rats. And there's a huge shaped Alberta hole in, mm. in the map there. And I think some like the northern parts of uh russia alaska are like the only other places that don't have actually natural rats in them so we're one of the few yeah so this is going to be terrifying for me to go into this movie um, i knew about this movie because of the 2003 re um, remake that came out starring crispin glover and i remember that being advertised and me being like um not in a billion years am i ever going to sit down and choose to watch that film and then when i discovered that it was actually a remake because i think crispin glover was on like it was probably a letterman or something like that where he's talking about the original i was like oh well i'm never gonna watch that either and here we are but andrew how about yourself do you have any history at all with the film Willard. I, I love Crispin Glover. Um, and I am, uh, I, I like you, I saw the previews for the 2003 version. And I'm like, I think I'm going to skip that one. I kind of stayed away from rat <laughs> movies in general with the exception of uh, Ratatouille, which also right. it rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't, I didn't care for it. So, well, yeah. they, they, they moved too rat like very real in that movie. Yeah. yeah it kind of grosses me out watching. It's that a great too. movie. Yeah, but like, he, he makes, look at his palate. And there's rats in the kitchen, Dave. Yeah. That is not up to code. It's not, it really isn't. Like there's so many guidelines. Being, oh, just, it's an OHNS nightmare. You like, just hide it in your head. Yeah. It's probably happening. Oh. It's probably happening where you eat. It's yeah. fine. 
Yeah. So I, I didn't care for that. It made me very uncomfortable, but I do. Crispin Glover is one of those guys where sort of everything he does has this weird feel to it. And uh, I'm not surprised he wanted to remake this movie. Like mm-hmm. it seems right in his, in his wheelhouse. Like he would be, you know, a rat movie guy. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, one read, actor. Read, yeah. yeah. Oh, like read any biography or like just a little write up of the history of Crispin Glover. The guy's a weirdo. Like, he is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Dave, do you have any history with the original movie Willard? No. Like, I will echo. I knew about the Christian Glover film. Had no interest in seeing it. Yeah, I mean, I think Charlie's Angels had come out. So, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was in Back to the Future. Right. And then I was like, ah, no, he's too weird. I don't want to watch anything he's in. <laughs> yeah. And then we started on this journey. And I remembered after you freaked out about having to watch this, there was something that was remade of and then had to do with rats. And that's... That's it. That's it. I worship at the altar of Crispin Glover. I don't watch horror movies, so... I will say, I've I've already mentioned David Letterman on this podcast already, but if you do want to have a little fun time, go to YouTube and search for Crispin Glover's appearance on that show where he almost kicks Dave in the head. Yeah, he gets uh, very, very high, went on to his show, and was barred from ever coming back. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What are you doing over there? Oh, your, your mic stand fell over, Dave? Yeah. What kind of operation are we running here? That's called the cheap things you buy on Amazon. Here's what we're going to do. While, while Dave goes and fixes his mic stand, let's just take a quick little break. Um, Dave and I will read some ad copy, and then when we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more about the movie Willard. Dave, I'm not even joking. I'm, I My skin is already crawling at the idea of not only talking about this movie, but watching this movie, considering this movie. I've spent... 38 years of my life, plus a few months, avoiding this film in particular. I've known about this movie, as I said. about it in the womb. I hate the fact that this is something that we have to do. Mm. Mm. So let's talk about some sponsors, right? (laughs) (laughs) Change the subject. Change the subject. I guess we need to start off by saying that Kylan Day vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. One good thing about Alberta-based businesses and organizations, rat-free. So that is that is good. Presumably. Except if, except if we're talking about politicians, am I right, Dave? Wah, wah, wah. Uh, I'm here to talk to you about a bank. <laughs> Speaking of rats, no, Whoa, you can't do that. Yeah. Didn't you use to work for a bank? Am yeah. I making that up? Yeah, past tense. Insurance company mm. that was owned by the bank. Yeah. Later sold to Aviva. Right. Aviva. Then, but they're not associated with any of the sponsors we're talking about here today, correct? No. Great. Yeah. So, it was, so we yeah. can say fuck it to that bank. But... The Royal Bank of Canada. Mm. Assholes. See, I do not give deference to the crown, so why would I give it to the royal bank? That's well, they why were I have a to crown. Ask. Yeah, I mean they they make billions of dollars. But what is a billion dollars get you anymore? These days, really? a bitcoin, <laughs> a single <laughs> bitular coin. Um, I, I want to talk to you about Built to Help Albertans, Dave. Mm. So at ATB, we make banking work for you. Now that makes it sound like I also work for ATB, and I don't. I just well, read what's in front of me. I mean, in a way. We're, they make a deposit into the shared folder, yeah. and I withdraw that deposit and decide what I want to do with it. So this is their fault. Yeah. I'm saying you spent the money already. I got it. <laughs> I have the money in my pocket. You, you made it's this your happen. fault. Yeah, 
We're not responsible for what we say on air. This is this is yeah. not us. Yeah. Anyways, they're built to help Albertans and they're making bank work for you with expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth. All the ands in that sense. They should have used at least one ampersand. You can be confident. I don't know if they mean you, Dave, or the royal you, but you can be confident that you are making smart choices when it comes to your money. Mm -hmm. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, you can visit ATB.com. I will smoothly transition into my copy, and no one will be the wiser, Kyle. Uh, (laughs) Great. How, well, other, how do well, we get paid? Does, do why, why does the Alberta Podcast Network trust us enough to talk about these advertisers in the best uh, possible way? They haven't listened to these clips yet. We're, we'll get an email at some point and be like, oh, guys. Maybe uh, back it off just a bit. We can't hear them. We're in space. So it takes a while for those messages to come. They'll send us a definition of flippant. Uh, it's getting cold. We had snow. So why don't we talk about giraffes? In the ship. Yeah. It was wild. Right? And then it was sunny, and then it snowed again. It's, fuck. it's almost like we live in Alberta. Kyle, in your orange house, presuming that we weren't on a, a spaceship, do you have cold drafts? Often. Do your lights flicker? Usually. Leaks? Do you know where they're coming from? On my body or mm. in my house? <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't want to go there, but we went there, so uh, I don't want to know. But if you ever wondered what's really going on in your home, not in your body, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call. So they're Zooming. Ooh, that's pretty that's fun. tech forward. I mean, I, yeah, I shouldn't say Zoom. It doesn't say Zoom. It could be on Microsoft Meets. If, if I was also you know working at my company outside of this podcast and was working with a certain client who were talking to some big, big wigs in branding across different companies in Canada. I find it very funny that brand specialists have to say digital online video platform because they cannot say Zoom or Microsoft Teams because they can't show preference. So yes, use whatever digital online video platform that you want to use. Like Zoom. Not a sponsor, not a sponsor, not a sponsor. questions answered. Ruby will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit roomie.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. I wonder if they inspect rats. Dave, stop reminding me of what we have to do now. Well, I have literally sweated through my t-shirt, so that's a great sign. In our conversation here today, I will also say, I mentioned it here earlier in the episode, but I did watch most of this movie through my fingers, so I haven't actually seen this movie in some regards. Uh, but let's let's start with you, Andrew, as our guest. Mm. I want to know just quick thoughts on on how you felt about this movie. Uh, well, it was always uh, I, w- I was pleasantly surprised to see Senator Kelly from the X Men movie as the feature character. I thought, hey, there he is a, a young a young guy, and any chance to see. Ernest Borgnine. I don't know what it is about the name Borgnine, but right. like it just it just fits together in such a strange way. Like Ernest Borgnine, like that is a very unique name. The music was fantastic. There was a lot of uh, a lot of rats. I yeah. I mean, I don't want to get I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but like just kind of right off the bat, there was some there was some great sort of you know tense scenery and music and just exciting stuff. 
some practical rat effects. A very, yeah. <laughs> there was not a lot of digital rats, if any. You know, I'm very excited <laughs> to see that many rats. Apparently, there were some animatronic rats in the well, film. Them, probably. Apparently, um, but yeah, pr- mo- most of them were were real. Uh, five hundred and fifty of them, or something like that. <laughs> real so rats, one family. Yeah, yeah. You, of course, are uh, completely off your rocker. Okay. But uh, Dave, what did what, what, what did you think about this movie? <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of. I actually didn't mind this one. Twist the knife more into Kyle's guts. I'll tell you this: it was better to watch than Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Mm. I don't have a irrational rat phobia, so it <laughs> built up reasonably well. But I, you know, anybody who's seen this, once they really start coming out, it is fucking creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. Because there are a lot of rats. In this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is actually the the weirdest thing when you. If you do read any like uh, contemporary reviews on this movie, I don't know how many times I read the phrase, you know, nowadays the rats aren't that scary in this movie. The rats aren't really scary in this movie. Like, what movie did you watch (laughs) where the rats aren't scary in this movie? (laughs) Well, I guess, I don't know. I mean, my brother was telling me, I think we brought this up one episode or two ago, that his 12-year-old kid and him sat down and watched Alien, the first one. Mm. And when the alien popped out of uh, What's-His-Face stomach... Right. Uh, his kids started cackling, saying it was the dumbest thing he's ever seen. Oh. And it's like, I was like, who, what are you raising? You failed. <laughs> no, I, I was like, that's just the. And I've never talked to my, my nephew ever again. <laughs> and that kid, I mean, I don't know how many, how many of you are sort of anime nerds, but my brother was letting him watch Naruto when he was like five years old. So he, he's watched, you know, anime characters getting beheaded and, right. and impaled and fucking like cut apart since he's like essentially. An elementary school kid. So, a bunch of rats in a film is not going to face, you know, the modern day. Is that why he runs with his arms straight out behind him? I was watching this YouTube about ninja running and they'd say that this is a thing. Leaning forward uh, when you run and I had to turn the YouTube off because it was the dumbest thing I'd ever watched. But uh, (laughs) somebody made content about it. Are you running faster now, Dave, with this? My arms aren't floppy enough. Like I, I tried, <laughs> but I'm so old and stiff. I think they just they just get in the way. <laughs> well, you, you can just cut them off, Dave. It's more aerodynamic that way. Oh, they'll grow back. They'll be okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, we'll learn some of the backstory. I thought, like, I forgot that we talked about Sandra Locke when we talked about yes. Clint. Mm-hmm. As soon as she came on, I was like, "Is this Judy Greer?" And then oh. I, was, I spent some time like Googling whether this is Judy Greer's mom and allegedly it's not. But Judy Greer is born the year that her and Clint are uh, getting, oh getting together. This goes right? back to our stupid Wikipedia page <laughs> I know. where it talks about how Clint has eight or nine children. Like Unknown. There's, there's no consensus. Probably more. Yeah, probably more. Yikes. It's fascinating. And then there's a reason why they have on-screen chemistry because apparently they were boinking when they were making this movie. So... Uh, Sorry, who is Bo- oh her Bruce and Davison? No, oh, her and Bruce Davison were actually having an affair while they're shooting this film. I'm jumping ahead to the trivia. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, um, and, good for uh, him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so here's the thing: I am so conflicted on this movie in in a couple of different ways because when you're looking at a horror movie, I think you have to look at it. Well, is it effective at providing horror i i don't actually think that a horror movie has to be quote-unquote scary in order for it to be well made but for me this movie terrified me 
from the first moment a stupid rat came on screen and did its stupid little squeaking thing. For some reason, the biggest gross out was the little ba- pink babies that were like falling off of them as they were walking around and then them running <laughs> up the stairs and stuff. And I'm pretty sure people off screen literally throwing rats at people. Yes. So again, going back to our favorite conversation of 1971, where people did not give a shit about animals, apparently, well, <laughs> in the I, filming of these things. I don't know about you guys, but I actually had a doubt that he was actually drowning rats in that he scene. He absolutely right. was, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just boxes full of rats. They had 550 yeah. of them. Like, they're going to miss 20. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with them after, right? That was probably shot after the set. And they're like, you know yeah. what? We need this scene and we're done with these guys. So put them in the water. So there's the part of it that oh, yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of the scenes that have rats in them. On the other hand, I actually think that the, the story with Willard and like the house and dealing with his boss is actually pretty boring and uninteresting mm-hmm. for the vast majority of it. So I'm like half and half like, well, it's doing this over here really effectively, but I don't really care or connecting with this other part of it. And I actually want to get into this more later in the episode but I also want to know if this was intentionally trying to be like ultra campy because it does come off that way that it's leaning into almost like caricature and drag almost performances in some cases with like the mother and her mother's friend and stuff. So like I don't know if that is what was attempted there, but it feels like that's what it's trying to go for. I, I, I am like the wrong person to ask because I am deathly afraid of anything involving a vermin so him like just picking him them up nonchalantly and then like clinging to his arms and like running all over him it's just like no bueno for me in so many ways outside of that like it sounds like both of you were kind of affected by the horror elements too like what about it was scary for you i guess we'll start with you andrew well i just want to say without getting too much into it that i I spent about the first, I want to say 85% of the movie being like, when is something going to happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need more rats. A phone goes off and like the person like stands up and spends 10 minutes walking over to answer the phone and just terrible. The pacing is all garbage, but it was boring. And then when the rats actually showed up, it was, there's something very like it's like parts of my old reptile brain that were like you you instinctually should be afraid of this because it's a thing mm-hmm. that you know what i mean like it just goes back to yeah. like caveman fears I, I i feel like there's something very primal about it so the last about 15 percent, i was like icky i don't like this but other than that it was really boring yeah i agree but dave was there what other elements of the of the horror actually worked for you uh, well, I think that's right. I, I think that it's scary because they use real rats and um, the idea of a person controlling a rat to be able to chew. I mean, we know rats can do this, chew through anything. And uh, I mean, it, the, they can chew through concrete. Yeah. So like when he, well, I can't remember the, the, the command, but they start eating through that woman's door so that he can go get that money. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I'm like, now it's a horror movie because I can actually, I can actually sense that a rat could actually do this. And then I start thinking about Kyle and I'm like, Kyle will never sleep again because he will always assume there's a rat at his door. And then when the volume of rat ex- keeps increasing, right. then it just gets grosser and grosser because you're just thinking like, where is this going to go? It's not going to go anywhere uh, pleasant. When he murders Ernest Borgnine, I'm like, oh, you know, that's fine. I mean, that's that's got to happen because that guy's an asshole. He was asking oh, for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final twist, or twist, but when they turn on him 
that's when you know you get that. I mean, real... Ben turns on him. Specifically, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, it kills Socrates. I mean, yeah. they killed the the white one. Should we talk about that? No. And uh... well, yeah, I think there there is some <laughs> something to be said about that. Um, to all of your points, I mean, number one, uh, is it well written? <laughs> Is any horror movie well written? We've yes. discussed this already. Well, okay. Uh, and number two, um, is it meant to be campy? Isn't aren't all horror movies meant to be campy? Mm. I mean, well, I guess the difference here, and I, I'm I'm always the wrong person to talk about this because I don't have an extensive history with this. But there is a difference between like campiness and what they call high camp, <laughs> which is like <laughs> they are going for it. Where it's not, it's it not just airy? it's not just like yeah, it's not campy just because of when it was made and now we look at it as a camp thing where like, no, they were intentionally going after this at the time and trying to like overdo certain things. And that's the part that I think it feels like that where they're trying to be caricatures rather than actual characters. Two things I just want to pick up on one. I think you're right about the practical versus the CG effect. I, I there is probably going to be a time where they can make a CG rat. that is going to be like so gross to me. It's going to be terrifying. But any movie that I've seen that has used like digital rats or digital mice, you're like, yes, there is this bit of it that's like, oh, that's kind of gross, but I can still tell that this is digital. And there's there's that disconnect enough for me. There's like, this isn't as gross as if it's like an actual real thing. I find all three of you grosser than anything I've ever seen. Disgusting meat sacks. I think that the, the biggest thing here is uh, this is the, one of those stories that works better as a book than it does as a visual medium you can really play around with like setting and sound and leave that up to the viewer's mind as soon as you bring that into like the literal interpretation of this then it also starts to be like well wait a second now i can see plot holes going on here and like we're not inside the character's thoughts as he's going through his day so it's literally just watching him go through the day (laughs) and that isn't all that interesting sometimes to watch as a viewer and one thing we really blew past here, mm-hmm. Dave is on this mission of saying that there is no such thing as a good horror movie, <gasps> but I want to know what, what your favorite <laughs> horror movies are. Oh, David, first of all, <laughs> shame, shame on you. That's great. So I guess my feeling on horror movies is um, horror movies like superhero movies where when they're done really well. People are very quick to point out, well, it wasn't really a horror movie. It wasn't really a superhero movie because of this and this and this and this. There are so many good examples, uh, recent and classic examples. This really isn't one of them, but I think um, I think horror movies can be absolutely excellent. Like like a movie, I'm, I'm trying to think of something from around 1971. I guess The Omen would be ish in this era. You might have to check the years on that, but that's a that's a great horror movie. But it's not like full of jump scares. Alien was only a few years later and Alien, I know it's science fiction, but I mean, that definitely has horror elements. So I don't know, man, horror movies. I do. I do love horror movies. I I really like getting scared. And uh, but I guess in the terms of camp, if it's full of like, you know, like weird kind of penis monsters, like squirting out gross goo on on people like (laughs) like that, that does. There isn't a a part of those kind of movies that I'm like, I love this so much. But where the really, really good stuff like. um, I'm trying to think of one that I saw. A Quiet Place is a good movie, a, a recent example of a really yeah. good horror movie. And people are very quick to be like, well, it's not really a horror movie because it's sci-fi. And what, like, if it's scary, it, it can overlap genres. I would even say from the 70s, um, like the year after this, or maybe two, was The Exorcist, oh, which I'm also a big fan totally of that movie. Brilliant movie and not boring. I don't know how yeah. 
like I guess like January 1st, 1972, they were like, we should stop making shitty, boring movies and like make them interesting. <laughs> That's a let's see how That's that goes. <laughs> Let's give that a spin. Well, well shit, Steve. Yeah. I guess we should. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe my problem is that I started watching them in the shit era of the 80s and 90s, <laughs> and then I decided I would never watch them again because uh, they were bad and creepy, and I just didn't understand why I would waste my time on them. But You, you are right in one aspect here, Dave, in that uh, there were so many bad sequels made. Uh, through the 80s and 90s of like these classic horror villains i am currently going through the entirety of the halloween franchise oh and yeah. who boy are there some terrible sequels in that one yeah. i just watched one the uh halloween resurrection which is unwatchable <laughs> it is so bad <laughs> yeah you know or even uh to, to pick one that really gets pulled apart in and turns really bad was nightmare on elm street uh the yeah. first one is like just glorious like it's an amazing movie it's creepy it's got all the elements and those get real real bad because they just kind of became a mockery of themselves and i think it's all coming full circle now with some things like i mean we've we're just a couple of days away from a new uh i guess you guys won't get to see it because you're out in space but the new halloween movie so uh, i'll I'll let you know how it is um yeah let me know yeah (laughs) i'm i'm fine i I don't need the update (laughs) well i think what we can do here then let's 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 do some backstory here first, um, and we can just go through some of the things about Willard in general. So Willard was released on February 26th, 1971. It is currently rated 6.2 on IMDb. It is, there's no available rating on Metacritic. Um, and over on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 57% from 23 critics and a 38% from 2,500 plus users. This does have both a DVD and a Blu-ray release that you can go and purchase. So, Dave, I'm sure you'll be quick to purchase that Blu-ray. <laughs> I'll just send my rats. Yeah. Um, you can buy or rent it on iTunes. You can also buy or rent it on YouTube. As we've been coming up uh, with, for many of the movies from 1971, I don't really know what the budget was for this movie. What I can tell you, astonishingly, is that this movie made $14.5 million at the box office, which is about... 98 million if you adjust for inflation, which does mean it was the 10th highest grossing movie in North America in 1971. Wow. In 71, people were watching movies just because they wanted to go see a show as opposed to now where uh, they want to know how it ends and how many explosions they can shove into a shitty story. Black Widow. I'm glad I skipped it. (laughs) Shit even on streaming. Ugh. Well, Mr. Hater over there, I guess. I am I am kind of shocked that it is like the 10th highest grossing movie. That just, uh, I, I'm just trying to figure out why. What was the draw that people were coming for? We're like, yeah, Willard is going to be what I'm going to take my date to here this week. Wasn't there a trope in uh, all those old movies about taking the taking your date to a scary movie? Maybe True. that's what it was. Yeah. Get that get that fright hug. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew is, that, is that how you... Uh, Dated your dated your wife? Is that you went to take her to a horror movie? We we didn't go to a horror movie. We went to The Departed, which features a rat in the end. But uh, uh, one of the first movies we watched together, and it, it's frightening in a different way, was actually uh, the Ewoks Battle for Endor movie, which, like I said, is is actually very scary, just in a very different kind of visceral fashion. Swarms of rats or swarms of bugs or, you know, like I'm just looking for further date night ideas because this one, I you know, I don't want to watch it again. but right yeah 
like locusts or like like food of, oh, yeah. food of the gods i think is one where there's like roosters and chickens that are getting people yeah there's a, there's a whole run of like evil animal movies that came out kind of after this the sparked um i was i was gonna say there is a movie that again i have never seen but i have a vivid memory of being advertised because i am convinced the only reason the movie got made was because of the cool graphic they thought up for it which is a movie that is called bats and it's just a swarm of bats that come and form the word bats <laughs> which is appropriated for yeah. uh, batman yeah <laughs> and i just i just knew i just saw that advertised on tv i just remember it i'm like well that can't be good and i was like 12 or 13 at the time i was like there's no way that that's a good movie the plot description for willard is a social misfit uses his only friends his pet rats to exact revenge on his tormentors it stars bruce davison as willard styles elsa lancaster as henrietta styles ernest borgnine as martin sandra Locke as joan and a bunch of filthy rats. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus Christ! The, what do you want to say about there any are, of these there's actors? So many rats, though. There's so many rats in this. Oh we man, we can name them all. We should have them all on our right. I know it's like Ben as Ben, <laughs> Socrates as Socrates. Actually, it'd be funny if they had real names, but they also had character names. They yeah. died after you drowned them in the oh, pool. Man. Um, Yikes. So I would talk about Ernest Borgnine. I love Ernest Borgnine too. I think the guy has just a great face. I, I, love, I, face. I, I love his name. Um, I've recently this year rewatched Escape from LA, or sorry, Escape from New York. And then I also watched yeah. for the first time The Wild Bunch, two movies that Ernest Borgnine co stars in. So it's just weird that I'm on like this Borgnine kick for some reason. Borgnine kick. Yeah. His original last name was Borgnino. Hmm. Yeah, couldn't to, couldn't do sp- that. Yeah, sp- spent some time in Italy after his parents separated. Came back to America, still a kid. They uh, switched to an Americanized name. Hmm. He didn't. Uh, he didn't want to be an actor. So uh, yeah, do you do you want to know some stuff about him? He's, yeah, uh, give me these Borgnine facts, Dave. Borg- oh well, you know what? He speaking of Borgnine facts, I don't know if you know this, but there's apparently it's closed now. But there was a restaurant in New York City called Tortilla Flats. <laughs> That apparently was essentially Ernest Borgnine uh, themed. And they actually had extensive what? training for their staff that they had to know everything about Ernest Borgnine. And they had a booth with all I this- I love Marty. Like, that's <laughs> what they have to start off with, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and like they had this booth where everything was, you know, photos and all this stuff of him, uh, which is super weird because- That is so buckwild. Do, do you know, I, okay, this is such like a legend in like- some of the podcasts I listened to, and I remember this being a viral video that went around at the time. Do you know about the Ernest Borgnine appearance on like Fox and Friends? I think it was on Fox on a morning show. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, there was this very famous moment. He was like 90 at the time. Oh, man. When he was the guest on the show. And they're like, Ernest, like what, what, uh, what makes you continues to like go on you seem so useful and knowledgeable and you're still so full of life at 90 years old what's your secret he's like well i can't tell you on air and then the host goes like well you can whisper it to me so he leans in and not even like a stage with her so like full volume because he's mic'd up i masturbate a lot <laughs> <laughs> and that's it's live folks it was live on air gotta milk that prostate yeah gross. <laughs> 
And anyways, that's how they made the sequel to Willard. Was yeah. no, <laughs> just a masturbating Ernest Borgnine. Oh, what a yeah. No, thank you. Here we go. Just just the audio enough would be bad. Like I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want. <laughs> this is right. I don't want to hear that. He was also married for like forty-two days to Ethel Merman, which I also yeah. find but wild, but hilarious. Yeah, apparently didn't get along. Um, let me think. He's got uh, a long career in the Navy. And it was only after he came back after, like he was a naval navy. Uh, I don't know if he's an officer, a navy. What do you call him? Seaman. A seaman. And, yeah. <laughs> well, he knows a lot about seaman. Yeah, totally. And, covered in seaman. And then he uh, he was honorably discharged in like forty one. When he came back, he was basically you know he's shell shocked like everybody PTSD didn't want to do anything related to the uh, to the military. And his mom, as a joke essentially said oh you love uh, making a fool of yourself in front of people to make them laugh why don't you try acting and he's like you know what yeah and he joined a theater troupe and became Ernest Borgnine also basically how this podcast was created well yeah that's Ernest Borgnine I guess but uh, you probably know this from doing your research Dave do you know who Elsa Lancaster is yeah I was gonna say you would be most excited uh, with her being the bride of Frankenstein correct, correct? Yeah. yeah she is the bride of Frankenstein yeah, I thought that would be your thing. Uh, and she's also really old because she started off as a child actor in the First World War. Wow. The first right. one. She was a kind of a big deal. Not like some of our big deals where she's award winning, but she's got a huge list of, of movies and uh, she's pretty good in this. It's pretty fascinating. There's a lot of really interesting TV uh, credits, but not a lot of gossip. There was uh, something about how yeah something about her kids and like she never had kids and there's something about maybe her husband being gay or she had miscarriages but it was just a weird rabbit hole so i I just closed that browser tab i didn't know anything to do with it talking about a rabbit hole like how much do you want to get into sandra Locke? because her life is oh man kind of ends in a terrible way and it doesn't definitely does not paint clint eastwood in a very nice light Uh. no I mean, we yeah, we talked about Clint and his womanizing. I mean, we do revere him a lot uh, as movie people because he makes so many great movies in that like forty-year span or thirty-year span. But yeah, she's in a lot of them too. Yes, well, they yeah, were a, uh, together. Oh, right. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and he she states that he basically told her he only wanted her in his pictures while they were together. She was always married. We talked about this too to a fella named uh, what was his name again, Kyle. Uh, Oh, I don't remember. Shit. I have it written down here, but I have so many. Oh, Gordon Anderson. But Gordon Anderson, turns out, was uh, like essentially closeted gay. And so, they kind of grew up together. And uh, she, in her later autobiography, said they did not have uh, sexual relations. And so, she was always on the side uh, hustling all these Hollywood men, which is great. And uh, at this movie, she was sleeping with Bruce Davidson. But just after making this, she met uh, Clint on Josie Wales hooked up and from then on she became essentially his muse they actually he allegedly became monogamous uh, with her until what was it called the 80s yeah, and then like uh, he had to he had to get his magnum out she well she's in the <laughs> third or fourth dirty harry movie i can't remember yeah. which one but, yeah she, which well, i believe that movie would be way better if it was not a dirty harry movie and just focused on her story yeah apparently that was a big one uh yeah. magnum, magnum force no, yeah, Maybe. I don't know if that's the fourth one, but that's a good one. And then she was in the the monkey movie. What do you call that one? Loose. Oh, any which way but loose. <laughs> and the sequel. Any which way you can. Still, oh, still, so yeah, still to this day, 
Clint Eastwood's highest grossing movie, which is bonkers to me. <laughs> Every Which Way But Loose is his highest yeah, grossing movie. As an actor. Wow. As an actor, that is his highest grossing movie. Yeah. People were doing a lot of coke in the 80s. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> that, that that orangutan was a star. Totally. And how much of the how much of coke did that orangutan get? <laughs> it's probably it was probably the dealer. But yeah, and, it was, it's in the writer actually of their contract. <laughs> they did get a pound of coke. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, that ended acrimoniously because he started uh, clint- clinting and um, having all kinds of kids with random women towards the end of their relationship. And then the drama oh, is that apparently uh, he blacklisted her and right. her career just came to a dead halt. She sued him several times for different things and they always settled out of court. So, there is uh, an insinuation that she was correct about him the whole way and then she... Uh, she just kind of faded away, but well, and then she passed away. It was it was I don't know. Was it brain cancer or something? It was something pretty she, brutal. Yeah, she had uh, yeah, breast recently, cancer in the nineties, yeah. and then uh, remission, and then yeah, at the end she got. I think it metastasized, right. metastasized into her bones, and oh, she that's died. how it was. Yeah, yeah it was pretty sad. But uh, I, I would actually, uh, if anyone is interested, go definitely take out check out some of Sandra Locke's performances. I think she's great. <laughs> Any of the things I've seen her in. There's a lot of, you know, I, I also noticed like she, she was one of the, we, we've seen this a little bit, 71 actors, and it maybe it was a smaller pool of acting talent and not in a negative way, but her debut was also Oscar nominated. And right. a lot like, uh, there's a small parallel with Dustin Hoffman. Apparently her character was very um, drab. I haven't seen this film, but so she wanted to break the typecast, but Dustin went and tried to, he made Midnight Cowboy after graduate but because i think because she's a woman she doesn't get the opportunity to just take a random role so she uh did the playboy thing and Mm -hmm. uh, became a sex symbol and it's just kind of interesting how that was against like she in high school apparently was both cheerleading captain valedictorian she was also like the captain of the french team like she's an intelligent person as much as she's you know this playboy model so Mm-hmm. Uh, it's any wonder she turned out that she had a reasonable amount of talent. It's just Clint didn't want anyone else to see it because they were no longer betting. I, I, I think these are just your words, Ew. Dave, but sure. Yeah, um, I've, never, I've never heard anyone refer to it as betting before. No. <laughs> I will put that in my Tinder profile from now on. I'm looking for a betting partner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the time. Don't look at me. I want none of it. As far as Bruce Davison goes, the only other role I remember him being in is as the senator in the X-Men movies. So I don't know. (laughs) Does anyone else have any like favorite Bruce Davison performances? Uh, He's in uh, and and, uh, Kyle, just I'm speaking directly to you here. Uh, He's in. I remember him clearly in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. So, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I believe he's like a corrupt country lawyer or something like that. But I do remember him. When I saw X Men, that's actually how he introduces himself. I may be a corrupt country lawyer. But. Yeah, but I looked at his IMDb page. That guy works like he's like Nicolas Cage's body of work. Like it's crazy. Like right. like almost three hundred uh, entries into his acting. It's it's amazing. What what skeletons does he have in his closet, Dave? Uh, there's actually not a lot, which is very interesting. So he keeps his nose relatively clean. Um, it's all so, those rats that he has probably yeah even even trying i didn't poke too hard at it but in the trivia page there's like six entries there's like the guy's uh he's working too hard for drama i suspect uh, you know when you have that kind of cv i don't think you have time to do dumb shit here's here's some other things written by gilbert ralston based on the book Ratman's notebooks <laughs> by stephen gilbert 
So two Gilberts, but one is a first name, one is a last name. Directed by Daniel Mann. And so I think we should go to the original novel first. And and what I need to actually preface all of this by is that what I've discovered is that I want to read an extended biography of Stephen Gilbert because he sounds like a pretty fascinating person. And it's probably bias. Well, it's 100% bias. But the couple of articles I read online seem to be hinting at something that they're not coming out and saying explicitly. And I don't know what it is. Like at least it just feels like they're talking around something and not being explicit with it. Here's what I can kind of figure out. One, he was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. Two, he's Irish, grew up in a wealthy family. His dad was in the tea and seed business, <laughs> but I don't know what that means. Tea and seeds, or maybe I guess people would call that kombucha now. But uh, <laughs> Gross. So he works briefly as a court reporter for the newspaper Northern Whig, that's Whig, W-H-I-G, where he watched people be fined for failed suicides. Wow. Thank you, capitalism. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then in 1931, when he was only 19 years old, he st- strikes up a friendship with another Irish author by the name of Forrest Reed. Reed was currently then in his mid-50s and was a contemporary of J.M. Barry, yes, the author of Peter Pan. And they are both most remembered by writing many stories and novels about young boys. And their relationship, and this is from two different sources, so their relationship, the young guy and the, this older writer, appeared platonic, mm. in quotes. But Gilbert has admitted as much as that he found the demands and intrusion into his life that Reed demanded pretty excessive. Reed would eventually publish a book called Brian Westby that was this fictionalized, idyllic version of their relationship. Gilbert would eventually publish The Burnaby Experiments five years later, after Reed's death, that was a fictionalized story of their relationship, but was meant as a response to the novel of Brian Westby. So anyway, interesting of death guy. And Venice here. Yeah. yeah. So there's all that. He was also the right age to be, of course, drafted into World War II. He joins the army. I, because he was rich, it, by the sounds of it, he didn't see much actual action in the war. Uh, I guess what action he did see was his wife. Oh, yeah. Because he met, meets his wife while in the service. They marry, have four kids. And he uh, begins pursuing a writing career. His first book is called The Landslide, published in 1943. And all of his books are basically a science fiction or horror book. And just reading the descriptions, they come off as being like the kind of B-level, I don't know, <laughs> mass market paperback horror stories that uh, still get made. A couple do well. Some do, cri- some do critically well. It's in 1968 that Ratman's Notebooks is published. And it's broadly the same plot as the movie. Um of Willard, that is. Although the main character actually never gives himself a name. So you actually never find out who the main character is or what his name is. He does a lot more heists with the rats at first. But it's him that starts to grow like super resentful and hateful towards the black rat Ben. And at the very end, the rats chase his girlfriend off, physically chase her out, out of the house. Um, and the and the novel ends while he's describing that he can hear them gnawing at the door as he's trapped in the attic. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That would have been so, a good movie. That would have been a better movie. Uh, <laughs> totally. Why, did, why would you take that <laughs> out? Chase her out of the house. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, chase her out of the house. I mean, I, by the sense of, like, this is all based on, like, the whole book is, if we want to use a, a fancy word, it's an epistolatory novel, Ooh, which wow. means it's all, like, 
letters and yeah. journal entries that make she up. She had a degree in English, something I know. nerd. <laughs> it's, 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 well, it's, it's exactly how Dracula is written. Dracula is written the exact same way. Interesting enough that this book would be the very last book he published, at least while he was alive. He would live actually until 2010, but in 2015, another book, an unfinished novel called The Bloody City was published that used some of his knowledge of what they call the Northern Ireland Troubles, which is a very fun name to give that. <laughs> um, but then that, that book is published in 2015. So between 1968 and 2015, he doesn't have anything published. He would also be a prominent member of the campaign for nuclear disarmament, which is what gave us the peace symbol. I don't know. The, kind of an interesting guy. I want to know more about him. <laughs> uh, makes this book. It gets optioned. Studio buys it. Gilbert Ralston, the screenwriter, is much more known for his TV work than for his film work. He'd write this movie, the sequel to this movie, if you didn't know there was a sequel, called Ben. <laughs> and there's also another movie from 1971 called The Hunting Party, which is famous only because it was so critically reviled at the time. It was like one of the worst reviewed movies of all time. Besides writing a bunch of different episodes on various shows from 1952 until 1972, Gilbert Ralston would be best remembered today for creating the TV show Wild Wild Rest. So he wrote the pilot episode, but also came up with the characters and the format of the show. And he would become even more famous in 1999 because he would sue Warner Brothers for the movie starring Will Smith because he was not compensated. He was not given money for them to create Wild Wild West, which was based on his TV show. And he would win that case, but he actually died right before the final judgment came out. So it was his family who took home somewhere between $600,000 and $1.5 million from, from that settlement. Daniel Mann, the director, was initially taught to be an actor by none other than Stanford Meisner, who was the person who taught uh, Marlon Brando to be like be, you know, use realism in your acting. But he was greatly admired for being what's called an actor's director. And he would also go and direct plays and movies. Um, I would probably say, though, if you look at his career, the two ones that are probably have the most name recognition are uh, perhaps Butterfield 8, which won uh, Elizabeth Taylor her Oscar, and Our Man Flint, which was the James Coburn starring movie that was basically a spoof of the James Bond franchise. I can't find much out about the production itself other than it was that surprise box office hit. So that is a little bit of backstory for this movie. So back to rats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the names involved in this production are amazing. Meisner and there's like so many, everybody's name's Gilbert. And uh, I know, just, I know. Yeah. Like you'd, you'd think it would begin and end with Ernest Borgnine, but you know, <laughs> like that, just the names involved. That's fantastic. Well, in, in a weird way, like you look at these people's backstories and kind of some of the other stuff that they do. And you almost think a little bit like, oh, well, this movie is going to be amazing then. Like, there's so much talent going on here and interesting stuff. And then I don't, uh, I don't think that necessarily it gets all pulled off at the end. Well, I mean, it resonated with the 1971 audience, right? So It did enough to get a sequel. That's right. Yeah. Did enough to get a sequel. That uh, relationship between a film in and of itself and how an audience perceives it is so fickle. Oh, yeah. Especially in 1971, we've watched a lot of movies here, Kyle, where a lot of shrugging. Uh, I know we're going to do a revisionist episode, but the scores are very low 
uh, for this year. Very low. I mean, your score scores are very low. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. Well, your scores always average a three because you don't commit to anything. You should have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know that mm. I am not giving this movie a three. So let's just <laughs> get out in front of that. I, I, I just want to do a very quick diversion. Did Dave, I think you did, but um, I, sh- I should have asked Andrew, how did you... I mean, I, we obviously watched this movie together on, on the couch here just moments ago. But if we it was didn't nice, do yeah. that, mm. yeah, if we didn't do that, how would you have watched this movie? If, I mean, hypothetically, I'd been on my own, this would be a kind of movie where I'd, I'd put it on and I was like, oh, okay, just get her going. And I would often just waiting for something to get started. And I think that in 1971, word of mouth, would have people would have come out and said, it ended so strongly that they would have been like excited right. when they left. And then people were like, like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. Like, whatever. Some, somebody told me it was good. And they go, they're waiting for like six hours for something to happen. And then the last 20 minutes, they're like, that was awesome. So they leave and they're excited about it. So I got to see this rap movie. Yeah, this, um, this I, rap movie. Right. I, so I'd be, I'd be kind of, you know, I'd be checking out my, uh, checking out my, my spoon collection or just sort of looking through <laughs> old pictures of whatever, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I bring all this up because if you go and look at this movie on iTunes, it is buck wild how they promote this movie because it is this black and white image with and i'm just gonna say it um <laughs> oh god what's the actor's name again uh, bruce davison it's bruce davison who is a good looking young guy of course and i think you can kind of see the rat in the background but then it has willard in a rainbow font and it is such a disconnect. And this is why I want to say that Willard is gay rights. Because mm. if there's one thing that rats do support, it's the equality <laughs> of everyone. Jesus Christ. It just, it just feels like that's almost how it looks and is being promoted. Because if you look quickly, I don't think you can even see that there's a rat in that image. And so it just looks like it's like Willard, rainbow font, good looking guy. Oh, of course this is a gay movie. And I'm going to watch it now. Mm-hmm. And then it isn't. Well, do you think that Ben and Socrates had a romantic relationship? The the rats? <laughs> oh, defo. Yeah, okay. Defo. Where did all the other rats come from? Yeah. Well, I don't know how biology works with rats, but uh, yeah, the two osmosis is actually how rats are appropriate. <laughs> no, the I, I I think that there's definitely that idea here that uh, Socrates and Ben scorn lovers. You know, <laughs> Socrates is the little twink who's like trying to be cooler than he actually is and ben is the old uh, guy who's been around the block a little bit and he gets uh his heart broken and it says like i am going to go and eat people and i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to make that my life mission that's like this just like all the old gays in your life story of the writers yeah. just find a an, an, uh you know a retired irish author um, to have a relationship uh, by the way Dave, this is how we actually get canceled from the alberta podcast network <laughs> well but maybe by alberta, oh, the, old the way uh, albertan yeah, the way Albert morality works, but uh, yeah. it can't come soon enough. You know, I listening to this question. I, you know, the other thing that I suspect is if we were watching, if one were to watch this in a movie theater, and you get that crowd energy, and you just get yeah. one screamer in there, the moment. So if you went to see this in the theater with Kyle, and he starts squealing because there's a mouse. Yeah then it already elevates your adrenaline because you're like, holy shit, yeah. somebody lost their mind and there's only one rat on the screen. And then by the end, uh, when you've watched Kyle faint in the aisle, uh, you're going to be like, this is the best horror movie I've ever seen because I just watched a man die. And uh, you, you yeah. probably, um, 
you're 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 keen on something, Dave. That I think is not untrue, which is I think <laughs> horror movies are better with an audience sometimes because you do get that reaction mm-hmm. and that can become scarier for you. Uh, we'll probably publish this video on our social media by this time, but I made so many involuntary squeaks and groans <laughs> watching this entire movie. Like I was just like, "Don't do it! No, don't!" I, I'm like one of those people that they parody in movies. It's like, "Don't go in there! What are you going up the stairs for?" Like I was just like <laughs> screaming at my screen. That's the other thing about horror movies that I just can't comprehend is. Uh... Decisions by characters to dig deeper into their own graves. I mean, how else do you get this much drama? If there was a rational person at the wheel, you just go, like, eh, just get another job. It's fine. Don't well, I guess I'll just burn down this mansion now because I'm never going to live in it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a weird movie. Your phobia aside, I mean, just to quickly, I, I don't know if Andrew's heard of Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Mm, but I haven't. Um, I mean, you could argue Play Misty for me, I suppose. Uh, if we're going to stretch Duel, then Play Misty for me it definitely should have been in this. But um, yeah, like I don't know how to compare this film to what is considered horror in 1971. So I don't know how to rate this film because uh, I didn't actually mind watching it, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, well, <laughs> you're a weirdo. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I think I think my phobia definitely precludes me from being rational when talking about this movie because i was literally terrified watching this movie the entire time like just out of my mind terrified so it worked on me in that way but would i call this a great horror movie no <laughs> um I, I i guess really more what i'm before we kind of just go into our wrap-up phase like yeah what other elements of this movie like stood out to you like andrew was there anything else besides like it being boring, there's lots of rats. Like, is there anything else that like really stood out? Well, the the takeaway role really for me, the star of the show had to be of the human actors, uh, the 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 mom's terrifying mm. friend who I was right. waiting to get like eaten by the rats. <laughs> um, and uh, I I just like the in the beginning it, it starts off with something that is just a total nightmare situation for me, and then unbeknownst to him, like a bunch of elderly relatives have come over and they've thrown him a surprise birthday party and they've got like the horns out and they're all singing to him and like, Oh, come eat this cake. And they're all just having a great time. And he's like, I, I just don't want anything to do with this. Like I just, right. I felt that just right in my jellies. I was like, Oh, I, I, I have nightmares about people throwing me a surprise birthday party. Cause I'm like, what if I don't want to, you know, anyways, the, the mom and the, her, her friend who was just, just so overwhelming. Anytime she was on the screen, like, and it was like, I thought I was like, is Ernest Borgnine playing both of those characters? Like, is he, because <laughs> he, I wish he was she, actually, she, that'd be great. she really did look like, like Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. So, well, well, that's, that's kind of what I, what I meant at the beginning. Like, this is the high camp portion of, of, of the movie that I was kind of noticing is I agree with you. It's like, she almost feels like she's a drag character. She isn't, but it's like it almost feels like that should be filled by someone in drag and being that like over the top with her her actions. Yeah, all those people should have died by rats. All of them. I was that, <laughs> yeah, that should have happened. That whole just crew of, well, they crew of seniors. They weren't. Well, 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 it is. It is interesting. And I'm sorry, Dave, for cutting you <laughs> off. But I mean, it's uh, the the way that she is brought into the movie. Like it almost feels like that is what is going to happen, mm. and then it doesn't. So. I guess a little bit of a restraint in this rap movie that the obvious thing doesn't happen in a way. Um, sorry, Dave, what were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to quip that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's not evil. Like, Ernest right. Borgnine set up 
in this cartoonish way that he has to die because uh, it's implied. And but in a horror movie, that- Dave, sometimes what happens is like, yeah, the obvious person gets killed off, and then you see the person themselves evolve by killing people that shouldn't be killed in the first place. So. Well, I, and this is the thing about the language of horror movies I was actually going to ask you about, which is, uh, you know, as this thing's set up and it's boring and it's drawn out, it's very 70s and there's cutaways that feel like a shitty television show. I mean, unsurprisingly, <laughs> it's written by a TV writer. Um, right. But, of you know. Wild, wild west fame though, Dave. <laughs> they, well, you know, it speaks to that too. There's a clear uh, white and black, which is uh, good versus evil. Um, with only the neurotic nuance that Willard, uh, Bruce Davison is, uh, you know, he's got some sociological problems. Uh, but they also kind of cushion that with his family who are all insane. Um, so is it normal for a horror movie to be about judging wrongs, right? Is it is it always a core concept that whatever violence is to be expected is about writing something? I mean, people much more smarter mm-hmm. than I and who have probably watched more horror films than I have definitely called this out. Um, I would go so far as to, I would say, Dave, you should watch Scream if you've never watched Scream because that is a satire of horror tropes while also being a horror movie at the same time because they call all that stuff out. It's like, if this happens, then this has to happen because every horror movie kind of follows the same structure. Um, But what a lot of people have pointed out is the fact that horror films, weirdly enough, do have that morality to them. If you do something bad, and we're talking morality in the purview of like Catholicism or Christianity in a lot of ways, right? Like if you have premarital sex, you're probably going to die in a horror movie. Um, if you if you do this or lie, you're going to probably die in a high, in a horror movie, which is interesting. Where things that are so I don't know reviled in our society kind of have like the the highest like morality tied to them at the same point, where it's like it's very clear like oh if you've done this, you're probably going to die in this movie. Yeah, it's not often that your your protagonist is someone who is unlikable. Or like, right. yeah, they're set up that way. I'm trying to think of, there was that movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, I think it was Green Lantern. And it was like, there, <laughs> this is a, a horror movie yeah. too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, he's, he's this super good looking guy and he's got this magic ring and he's got this like babe girlfriend and he's a jet pilot. And he's also like the hero of the story. And it's like, you don't want to cheer for him at all. Like, what do you, what does he, what else does he need? Right? Like, like there has yeah, to be some kind of got everything. Yeah, you need some kind of lovable flaw. And uh, and sometimes it's funny because sometimes this is kind of like if you're going to look at it like a Shakespearean sort of lens, it has a bit of a Hamlet thing to it where the hero is very flawed and is kind of the villain. Like, I don't know if Ben is the main villain in this or, or if Ernest Borgnine is or if Willard is. But I, there was a couple of villainous characters, I guess you could say. Like the, yeah. the ending wasn't a surprise to me because I was like, this guy's been shady. So something will probably happen to him in the end because that's sort of how these movies go. There is always a comeuppance yeah. to those those people who overstep their bounds, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, yeah, and it depends. Like there's always different shades of of horror as well. Like there's psychological, there's, uh, um, uh, oh my gosh, uh, being possessed, possessed stuff, uh, killer animals. Like there's always, there's different flavors and stuff yeah. going on. But I think horror along with like science fiction are two of the, biggest ones who often use metaphor in their storytelling so it's like yeah this is a story about x y and z but really we're talking about this stuff over here this is just like a a, an extension of this idea that we have but inside of a a horror movie setting so whether it's like 
the folly of of government and uh like in jaws for instance one of my favorite movies like yes there's a killer shark in there but really that movie is about you know the, the small town government not listening to experts to close the beaches <laughs> and they're thinking that they they are above the hubris of themselves so there's a there's that i don't know if any of this is resonating with you dave uh no i you know i it is and i think the only thing that comes up to me in addition to that is when Andrew is making fun of uh, the Green Lantern, which uh, is required. Mm-hmm. We, we should probably yeah, bring awful. that up yeah. every I mean, episode. Brian Reynolds makes fun of yeah, that movie it's, too. Yeah, so. Truly and terrible. De- the original Deadpool. Um, you know, it makes me real. I, mean, I just have this thought that it's not just horror movies. I mean, to write a story, it, it is to tackle some base uh, question about uh, whether it's morality or social status. You know, you know, have to have some conflict. Otherwise, you don't write. It's just... Right. Uh, you know, the source of art. Maybe my bias towards horror films is that it's oversimplified. You know, when you watch mm-hmm. good sci-fi, it can become uh, interestingly complex or if it's simple, then at least they can shroud it in, in special effects or something something that uh, makes it fantastical. Um, but uh, as Kyle's brought this up too, I, th- I think when we're talking about as early as played Misty for me, that uh, horror films in general are, you know, B movie, super low budget, and not developed, so they don't get to rely um, as much on visual eye candy. But the stories often, in my mind, uh, devolve too simply. And uh, and you know, you've both brought up that I'm just not watching the good ones, but um, I think you know I don't want to, and I don't care. So um, yeah, I'll I'll be biased about this. It's, uh, horror movies are my rats. Basically, right. is what I'm saying. I, I, uh, I don't like looking at them, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of sad we have to watch another one. Clearly, Willard is not a good guy, but when when is his fall from grace? And it's probably the first heist. Um, I like the idea. It makes sense that the book would be more popular uh, if there's a series of heists, and maybe they escalate oh, yeah. in violence. Uh, right. So totally. that would be something. I, I'm not going to read Ratman's diaries, but no, uh, I can but, understand. I mean, I, if that's I feel like what it makes on. me, yeah. yeah, it makes me understand it a little bit more yeah. because, like, not that I wanted this movie to be longer than it was, but like, <laughs> if I was looking at it just on a narrative aspect, you need that progression of him, like, oh, I can justify this stealing, mm-hmm. but then over time, it's like, well, can you justify this stuff um, before he like tips over completely? Yeah, yeah, and when he goes unhinged in the killing of Ernest Borgnine, it, it's a big jump. Like from performing a couple pranks to performing a heist uh, to like full-blown psychotic murder, uh, vengeance. To be fair, uh, I'm pretty sure Ernest Borgnine jumped out of that window himself. So <laughs> Not really murder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was cajoled. Was, he, yeah. I, do, I, got, I got to say something, Dave. Honestly, the one thing that I, because I agree with you for the most part about horror movies, I guess what I was trying to say earlier is that a really good horror movie will often people will be like they'll they'll be really reluctant to put the horror genre on it like mm-hmm. uh it's kind of like like i'm trying to think i i had one eerie like, seven. like yeah. yeah or like the movie logan people were like man it's a superhero yeah, movie but it's so good and like there's a great story but it's a superhero movie but it's so good and like they just kept to keep <laughs> rationalizing it so a movie like um I don't, I don't know if you saw it if you're not a horror guy it's okay but there was a movie called it follows which had a really clever premise and it was really well written, but it was also like kind of unresolved and just sort of a, a situation like really well done. And I guess people were like, oh, is this a sci-fi or like, is this the, like a, mm. a really clever kind of analogy or commentary? And it's like, it's a scary movie. It's a horror movie. Like it's, 
you know, I mean, it also, it's those other things too, but it's also, you know, like you can have both or get out, get out was total social commentary. And that was a great movie. I thought mm-hmm. anyways, I don't know if you guys saw it or not. I did. Yeah. I yeah. like it a lot. It, is play missed me play misty for me. Is that the one that has like an insane, like uh, somebody falls out of a window. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry to spoil Play Misty I, yeah, for no, me for people. I, I thought uh, of... Not falls out. It gets punched out a window. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is Lucille Bluth from Arrested yeah. Development who She's is stalking uh, Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And at the end, she tries to stab him and he punches her in the face and she falls down a cliff. Okay. <laughs> That's how every movie should end, honestly. Yeah. It's just, it really uh, should. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh man so good oh you know i was really loving the eternals and then clint eastwood showed up and punched a woman in the face <laughs> yeah, she always death. fell down a cliff yeah it's like you're watching uh, runaway bride and yeah. all of a sudden clint appears and just punches uh, julia roberts off jesus <laughs> now this, this is how monty clint. python sketches are written isn't it oh man yeah. saturday night live writer's room is exactly this no you know I, we brought this up too i think we're talking about music or something but uh, i guess what you're talking about andrew is a little bit of this idea of uh, maybe transcending genders and maybe that's a sign of a good film genres um, but yeah genres. You, said, yeah you said genders dave i don't know <laughs> You know I what's you interesting trans- about that? You can yeah, transcend that's been on my too. mind. Yeah. yeah, that's been on my mind lately. But you can't. There's and, some uh, family stuff going on. <laughs> but you, you definitely can transcend uh, both genders and genres. I, I think. I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Kyle brought up uh, a couple episodes this idea that maybe there are no more uh, big blockbuster Hollywood stars, but maybe this is maybe this is just sort of modern cultures. Is everything's starting to blend together? So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that is the more more true statement, and I don't know, Andrew, if you feel the same way that Dave and I were. Again, this feel it just always feels like it's like old man yells at cloud territory, <laughs> but I, I for whatever reason I think in our society right now everything feels like it is like a, a mash up of something else where it's like it's science fiction and this and that, mm-hmm. or it's like it's this thing and this thing and this thing, um, to the point where it's like very rarely is there just like a comedy that comes out, right? Yeah. Like it's. Well, Marvel movies are funny. It's like, yeah, but like, I, I want to see like a comedy. <laughs> like, I want to go and see a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just aren't really made. Same with like, just I just want to see a drama film. And like, those are becoming like few and far between in the way that they were made in like the eighties and nineties, for instance, when I was growing up. So, um, but I don't know. I don't know if not that, and that's not to say there's not good movies that are made today, but it just feels like everything is mashed up to a, to a degree that there aren't those like straight uh, pieces of I don't know art. Yeah, I think you're right. I, but I think we'll definitely return to that. I think it's just kind of the mm-hmm. pendulum is, is, you know, it's kind of on its way back in that regard. But with, with the terms of huge Hollywood stars, I mean, like there would be a time when I would have seen anything with like certain actors are in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. nowadays I'm like, I just couldn't really be bothered. I mean, if it looks good, I, I might see it. But, you know, the idea of like, oh, hey, Tom Cruise is in this thing. Everybody's going to go see it. It's like, nope no that doesn't really happen anymore that's not really the draw that it used to be and or maybe it is and i'm kind of oblivious to it but. the other thing that i'm actually finding too is like for some of the older actors and actresses I'm like whatever happened to that person yeah. and then i look it up it's like oh you've been on a tv show for six seasons i yeah, guess that i've true. never heard of mm. on a station that i don't know if i get like it's just like i don't know what's happening yeah uh, like to andrew's point uh, i think to your point andrew um 
Yeah, I, the name that popped like I said, the name that popped in my head when you said uh, sorry, the answer that popped in my head when you said Tom Cruise, like I'll still watch any Tom Cruise movie. I might stream them now. But uh, Matt Damon, there was a period where anything he would be in, I'd be like, this is going to be good. And now I don't know. I don't want to watch a movie about a zoo. Like I, I don't care. Yeah. Right? Miniature <laughs> but Dave, people. But Dave, he Who gives bought a, shit, a you know? zoo. <laughs> yeah. He's crazy. And it's not that he's a bad actor all of a sudden. It's just, yeah, there's something going on. Maybe it's a proliferation of too many weird. Yeah, mashup movies. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what it is, but I mean, we made fun of, well, I mean, our biggest hate mail came from Walter Matthau. Mm. And the fact that that fucking talentless asshole was like famous for 40 years, uh, you know, there's lulls, you know, if you have nothing else to watch and you have to watch a Walter Matthau movie, I guess he can be famous. I still like Grumpy Old Man Dave, but uh, <laughs> this, I, I love, I love anyone's passion for, you know, good or ill towards someone like that. I, and the fact that you have such a hate on for Walter Matthau, like, like, oh, just, you're just checking <laughs> off boxes here, Dave. I love it. It's good. That's, that's good. Yeah. If we ever made shirts for this program, <laughs> I want our first to be, I have a hate boner for Walter Matthau. <laughs> we didn't even need words. We just have his uh, characterized face with a, you know, yeah. with a do not, uh, whatever, the, the cross out yeah, yeah, yeah. or an X. <laughs> and uh, and then we'll send it to Amy whatever I did the YouTube channel. Right. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe that was <laughs> one of his kids. Comment. You're gonna like send it to his uh, children. No, no. There was a person that got very personal and attacked me directly mm. uh, through the comments. Uh, <laughs> it's fascinating why anybody would want to watch a Walter Matthau film. Well, they, there you go. I guess I guess you know after watching it and being like the ending, probably from the the robbery onwards is worth a watch if you're into if you're into horror movies yeah honestly as like a if you are a horror movie fan like that is kind of the 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 i don't know the money shot it, for for lack of a better pretty, word pretty like, great man like yeah the ernest Borgnine, we'll call it yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> the money shot but uh, no i you know and and the the ending the sheer volume of rats just kind of oh, just 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 parading up the stairs like that was that, phenomenal that is the jaw dropping oh, one i think that must so be like good. all 500 rats are coming up those stairs yeah. i'm like i am gonna burn my house down and leave yeah <laughs> and that they they really skipped over that drowning scene but that that kind of came out of nowhere i don't even know why he oh, drowned man. them like were they gonna tell the police what happened like there was no need he could have just <laughs> let them go i'll never like, let you talk ben i'll never <laughs> let you talk that's gotta be that's gotta be like one of those um plays on the cultural like you know the only way to, it must be something like that right like the only way to kill a rat is on, you know I, I don't know has to be something like that because it was so out of nowhere and oh so <laughs> do you, it was I so know, do, visceral do you think there's something about those names though like I mean maybe in the book it's explained supremely well but yeah. like there is the white rat who is named Socrates right and then the black rat who's named Ben like I mean <laughs> there's, there's not even like two similar names really that are going on here yeah, it's interesting they didn't use a different sort of fabled name for Ben, but mm -hmm. maybe uh, maybe Gilbert just fucking hated a Ben. And he was like, you know what? I'll fuck this guy. I'm putting him in my movie. Uh, <laughs> hate this guy. Sucks. If, if it was me writing it, the rat would have been named Walter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that, I mean, no. We are all like completely outside of our lane to get into this, but I mean, like, th th I think there is a bit of that racial element too. Like, the white rat is like the supreme one, and he's great, and everything is good about him. And the black one is the evil one who we can't trust, and is the one who corrupts the other rats, sort of thing. So, for a novel that was written in 1968, and then 
you know, made as, in into Ireland. a movie in 1971. Yeah. I feel that there might be some underlying themes there. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not intentional. Um, yeah. It, even the use of the sort of um, color coding in Western culture of white and black has colonial overtones, but or undertones, I should say. Ah, both. It has tones. You know, it's hard to read into this because, uh, only because, uh, what is it? The Black Plague is attributed the color to the color of the rats, right? So, right. I don't know. I, rats are gross. And if it had been a brown rat, would we say it's racist against, you know, Indian people? I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, just a mess. Plus, you know, animals change color a lot. They're, they're spotted rats. What if it was a spotted one oh, who hate Dalmatians, I guess? Absolutely. And they'd be, they'd be yeah. spraying like black spray paint all over those rats. Like it was the seventies. They, did, they yeah. didn't care. They were like, we need they one color and shit. they keep dying. That was a, what was <laughs> so. the movie we watched that did that? Oh, it was a uh, Big Jake with um. Oh man, uh, with John the Wayne, Lassie's, yeah, where they with Lassie's literally spray painted a dog oh, black. Yeah. You could tell, you could tell they they spray painted a dog black. Oh. Like, this is weird. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, anyways, in the seventies, they hated animals. Apparently, they hated <laughs> animals. We've watched so many animals die, Kyle. And I'm not yeah. even like a r- animal rights guy. You know, I started eating meat again. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but like the torturing of animals for my enjoyment, I'm not into that. That's some. Mm-hmm. Some weird kinks, man. Yeah. I will say here, though, I do not care if they drown those rats for real. So, do not care. <laughs> they did, man. There's no way. That was real. Like, that was dark. <laughs> look at the look on his face. He was full of remorse. He's like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> he's just looking at the camera. Really? Do I have yeah, to? Yeah, actually. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. Because when he's nuzzling those fucking things, Bruce Davidson is definitely a rat person. Oh, yeah. Because he loved it. He That was full-on enjoyment when he was getting yeah, in yeah. on that thing. And when he was drowning it, he didn't look uh, upset or scared. He looked like it was, it was wounding him. There was something about that mm-hmm. scene where mm-hmm. it was depressing. Man. We're done here. Well, the machine has said that we do have to wrap this up here now. Rat um, it up. So, uh, rat it up. Um, so... <laughs> There's a few things we have to get to. Okay. First, we're going to talk about critic stories here first. So um, I'm so upset that Pauline Kael did not review this she movie. She has too much self-respect. It's frustrating <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But Roger Ebert sure did. And uh, he gave it a middling review. He gave it two out of four stars. He wrote, um, I should leave the ending to your imagination. However, I want to consider instead the sociological and psychological implications of Willard. What is it in this film that touches some deep buried nerve in the public psyche? Why does wholesale family entertainment fade away while rats make millions? I've thought long and deeply on this subject, believe me, and I've reached a conclusion at last. People have waited a long time to see Ernest Borgnine eaten alive by rats. And now that they have their chance, they aren't going to blow it. That is what he wrote. A little bit tongue in cheek, but I mean, that is what he wrote in his review. I forgot to bring up, but you know, Ernest Borgnine also has a a bit of a reputation. I mean, you can tell how he acts, but apparently he was not always, he's a very extreme guy and he's got a yeah, lot of wives but, and there's some stories that he's- uh, Well, not just that, but I mean, outside of probably Marty, which I referenced, which wins best guy. picture and yeah. he, I think he wins best actor for that. Like he played assholes. Like he played a oh, lot he was of like a jerks. Yeah. yeah. He's got a face. Yeah, you know, he's got a villain face. It's those bug eyes, man. It, that's, that's, that's those, right. are, those are villain eyes. <laughs> those, are, those are masturbating eyes. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> like, what? Well, uh, well, he's dead, put... Dave. What is he going to do to me? <laughs> well, I was just thinking, like, are you talking about him or you? Right. right? Oh, I mean, no, I just... that's him. That's him. <laughs> so, I, so okay, like I said, Pauline Kale didn't leave a review. So, I got a more contemporary review. 
by Jim Nipfel from Den of Geek. And he writes, It's a complex and sympathetic character study, and for a few misfits in the audience, it gave us a protagonist we could finally identify with and a film that helped define our later lives. Wow. Yeah. Wow, indeed. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I want to know more about this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that guy like, needs his yeah, own podcast. Yeah, yeah, killing killing people by rats. That's me. I see me in this. I can relate to that. Yeah. Anyone given the chance to kill people by rodent would do it. I mean, I, I understand like being like feeling like an outcast, but uh, he does murder people by rat. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody likes being bullied, and mm-hmm. if I had an army of rats all named Walter, <laughs> I think that I might commit atrocities. It's hard to tell. Would you, you know, we, I don't think we touched on it that, that, that Willard could speak rat. I did love that part of the movie where he, right. he, could, like he somehow yeah. could speak to he them. Made yeah. those whistling he would do sounds those whistling them. sounds. So, uh, Dave, would, if you had an army of rats, would you, would you want to like, like a headset that you put on to just kind of telepathically control them? Or would you want to like learn how to speak rat and make the sounds? Yeah. I'm, the telepathic thing was played a little bit by Ant-Man and I don't really want to copy his style. So, you know, I, I think that if I could. Uh, if I could whistle to a rat, mm-hmm. it'd be fascinating, right? Just to hear their perspective. You know, do they have existential questions about what it's like to eat garbage for a living? And I, um, I think there's a lot of depth there. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to have a conversation with a rat. Have you, have you ever heard of the the thing about king rats? Do you know what I, what that is? No, uh, no. So if a rat colony gets way too big, right, where they're basically like crawling over each other there is a thing that can happen where their tails become intertwined with one another and they can't escape and so the rats are all joined by their tails <laughs> become what's called the king rat terrifying that is terrifying <laughs> that that could be in your house right now kyle oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like Andrew, in your wall. you know you're, you're being too pleasant yeah i wouldn't have used the uh modifier can i would have yes, just said you know. a thousand percent is <laughs> i was actually gonna ask this question if you could control an army of blank any animal mm. what animal would you want to be able to control an army of oh boy hmm tough one is, uh, for what purpose i guess right for venue you can bring up your own purpose dave mm-hmm. i'm just asking you what kind of animal uh grouping do you want to be able to control i the the you know if we're just i'm just gonna go a little out of left field here that i would want to have a bunch of fucking sharks with lasers <laughs> right on their heads mm, and like just sharks i love that on the ground yeah. attacking people and be like oh. now now who's you know now who's in charge <laughs> just just Amphibious laser sharks yeah, eating all my enemies and like just that's right just just giving that's it to them yeah way. that'd be great just why why did you make this like seaside resort that he invites his arch nemesis <laughs> to all the time <laughs> you just wait on the beach there I'll be back just a minute I'll be back in a yeah. moment and, and then I whistle shark at them and they all come out and just rip them to shreds <laughs> that would be well yeah you, have to, you just have to go <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, in the vein of this movie, do I choose one that I hate or one that I want to nuzzle but could also eat my enemies? And that's a tough one. I am. Um, there's one that I hate. It'd probably be the common goose. Oh, oh uh, yeah. The Canada geese. Oh, my God. That fucking, would be ugh. unstoppable that would be force amazing. is what you would have just created. <laughs> Dude. When I, so, when I was, uh, you know, running and training for a run, I had so many geese fucking hiss at oh, me. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it freaks me out, man. I, 
I don't know if I could punch a goose in the face to protect myself. I should say the geese are also racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they're gross. I I think we should just put the kill order on them. Uh, you know, they're just they're they're so gross. They gross me out. But I don't know if I would nuzzle a goose because they would no. be hissing at me. I for me honestly, I I go to this all the time, mostly because I just want to have a pet red panda. Mm. But if I had an army of red pandas, both they look so cuddly and cute, and then they will tear out your throat. Oh yeah, so. Wow. Wow. Like break your jaw, rip your throat out. Yeah. Roadhouse, you know? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you know what would be great? Like an army of just pandas, regular pandas. Just, yeah, there's pandas. no need to you discriminate. Know? Just You could have just said pandas. <laughs> All pandas. <laughs> if I just, yeah, an army of pandas and be like, oh, what are you going to do? Nothing. You know, I'm good. That guy just uh, stole your shit. You know what? We're just going to roll around here. You're fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Whatever. Bamboo it, man. <laughs> Um, so the question that we always ask here, of course, too, is does this movie hold up and is it still culturally relevant? Uh, so, Andrew, what do you have to answer for those two questions? Uh, <laughs> this movie, 90% of it does not hold up and is boring as hell uh, and culturally relevant. It absolutely is because I just can't, you know, just in thinking about all the creature features, this would have set off a trend. So even though, it did, even though yeah. it's bad. It's kind of one of those like going back to look at it, you, you can see the origins of a lot of things, kind of like the the first Halloween movie, for example, you know, like kind of setting that that slasher trend. Right. So the body count should have been higher. Uh, <laughs> Ernest Borgnine was definitely playing the uh, the mom's friend, but like culturally relevant in a, in a weird kind of geeky way. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, like I'm, I'm honestly agreeing with you 100% there. I, I, I don't think this movie holds up. I do think that that is the cultural relevance it has because, as I mentioned already, Ben, the sequel to this movie, comes out the next year, which apparently is just like a random kid comes across Ben and then befriends them, I guess, and then he still commits murders and other things. And weirdly enough, apparently in that movie, this little kid sings the rats like this little like going to sleep song or something oh like that God. which gets nominated for best original song oh, no way. at the oscars <laughs> it loses it does not win given those things out back in the day wow <laughs> i know did you whistle in your in your in movie great best original song that's basically what john williams did for the close encounters score two copycat movies were made which mean, and what I mean by that is that it was the exact same storyline to this movie, except switching out the animals. Mm. So in 1972, there was a movie called Stanley that was about rattlesnakes. <laughs> uh, why did it have to be snakes? And then in 1976, <laughs> there was a movie called Tarantula, which mm. weirdly has nothing to do with tarantulas. No, it does, but uh, mm. <laughs> it is with uh, big, big spiders. And but you're right in saying that it did spearhead this I, this kind of craze of like movies where like fill in the blank of animals, like a bunch of animals at once attacking. Like there was one, um, oh, I can't remember, but it was like a bunch of rabbits that were attacking people. There's this one, and I think you can kind of see that all the way up into modern day. There's a new movie that's coming out called Lamb, that's uh about sheep. So yeah. Well, it's interesting at the end of this film that I'm uh, committed to how creepy it is, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's in spite of how dumb some of the setup is and how long it takes for us to get uh, to the crimes that we've been waiting for. It is still somehow entertaining enough. Um, and I, for one, I, you know, I can assume where this is going to go, but uh, it's not like my buddy nudged me in the arm at high school and said, you got to wait. You gotta wait to the very end. It's worth it. 
right? It's more just waiting to see uh, how gross this was going right. to be and how many animals would actually get tortured because <laughs> it's 1971. Um, and then I don't, yeah, I can't speak to horror tropes, but for that reason, I suspect some audience even now could find something in this. And as we saw in 2003, this movie could easily be remade, you know, for almost with the same script with a better oh, director. Yeah. With, and it with would freak I, yeah. the shit out of it. They would have to have like 10,000 oh, rats yeah. at this point, but. Right. You could. I, I think I think you could like again get a better adaptation out there and really workshop the non. It couldn't be at a smelter. It, I don't know if those exist anymore, but uh, it could be an IT say, firm. Could be a Google. Could be actually could be yeah. a Facebook if anywhere because uh, that's probably why they shut down a lot of. See rats that, that's where the social servers. commentary comes in. I actually like that idea to be honest with you. Uh, there was of course that remake starring Crispin Glover in two thousand three, which breaks my rule. I was going to watch every remake Gross. this year, and I was like. No, there's no way. I barely made it out of this movie. There's no way I'm going to watch this movie again as a remake. Like how can you watch this and Crispin Glover at the same time? I mean, he right. is so gross. He's <laughs> so great, though, man. He's so awesome. Yeah. He has that great uh, evil face. Um, yeah. But basically following that remake structure, we are 14 years away from another Willard remake. So. Oh. Okay. No. Starring like, uh, Zendaya. That is correct. Uh, but she will this time win best original song. Mm. So it's going to be great. That is what uh, I'm so curious to know what your rating is going to be for this movie, Dave. But that is what Dave, myself and Andrew thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave VS the machine at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle Katie VSTM. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our letterboxed page, letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There is a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. And something you can do for absolutely free is to leave us a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. And as Dave was mentioned earlier in the episode, we also have a YouTube channel. So if you want to go and yell at us, you can do so over there. All caps, baby. Let's get to the rating. Uh, Andrew, you are our guest. Mm. Your rating does not matter okay. but yep if you were to rate this movie out of five what would you rate it out of five five being good yeah five being good one being uh trash balls yeah mm, i think I'd, i guess zero being trash balls. okay i guess you could say zero <laughs> i think just for the first because it's such a slog i'd have to give it a two i i hate to be a, mm. a, a you know pooper party but uh yeah it's it's real bad but that ending is amazing so it's like a two and but it'd be a lot of fun to watch with some friends maybe skip to the part where the, it starts with the robbery and just go from there. And before that, it's like just sad people making like, <laughs> winding clocks, yeah, <laughs> winding grandfather winding clocks. <laughs> and why yeah. are you watching so many like, oh, yeah, so like dinner parties? What's happening? Yeah, just skip to it, you know, just, or, you know, I don't know, find a point, go on Reddit and be like, when does the movie get good and start it there? And, and then, and then after that point, it would probably be a, a three, but I'd have to give it a two if you're watching the whole thing. The unfortunate part about that website that does not exist of when does this get good dot com is that for most of the movies we've watched this year, Dave would say never is <laughs> what he would write <laughs> next to that. <laughs> uh, no, I love that idea, Andrew. I mean, if I could scrub and like this movie is a great example and you could trim off because it's so sequential. If you could trimmed off or like they tell you, watch the first three minutes, you actually understand like four of the, the characters setup, that yeah. are in it. Skip 25 and 30 seconds, you know, watch this 10 seconds and then get to the first heist. It's called editing. 
uh, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. But if they, you know, if you could get a site to do that, many of these films would be imminently more watchable and they'd be like an hour long, which is so much easier to consume. Mm-hmm, uh, right. But yeah, I, uh, I have four more episodes of Squid Game to get through. So come on. <laughs> to uh, get through these yeah, movies. Gets, gets weirder. I'm in the same camp as Andrew. I'm actually going to go up uh, to a 2.5. Okay. And I think, Whoa. All right. I know. Okay. I know. I I think that, uh, I, again, I've become acclimatized to 1971, but the only thing that hangs in my head why I can't go lower than that is that I actually turned this thing off and I didn't feel upset for having watched it. And that's <laughs> pretty rare <laughs> in this season. And it's uh, it's been sticking with me. I don't know if it's because I was like, laughing in my head about how horrifying this would be for Kyle. I mean, that's possible because, uh, you know, that's part of my nature. But yeah, I didn't hate watching this movie. Even the boring parts, I was like, ah, you know, Ernest Borgnine, when anytime he shows up, it's like, yeah, I can watch this guy. It's a clown. It's fine. And uh, Dave, this is so hilarious that it's <laughs> happening with the movie Willard. But just doing a quick scan of our ratings, unless I've missed something, this is only the second time in 1971 where you have rated a movie higher than me. Wow. <laughs> well, is it going to happen with this one? I am actually, this is probably higher than what you might think it is, that I was going to give it, but I'm giving it a two as well oh, okay. because I really didn't like this movie. At the same time, I was scared in this movie. So I felt <laughs> like, well, it did do what it was setting out to do. So I have to give it some extra marks for it accomplishing it. But yeah, I, I was more, I was bored and then terrified, bored and then terrified. And that was kind of the alternating emotions I uh, went through. That does mean that it's going to average out to 2.25, mm. which will round down to a two. Dave, there's a bunch of movies that that ties with then. So from top to bottom, it's weird. We're getting into this uh, same place in our list. So from top to bottom, this is Nicholas and Alexandra, Diamonds Are Forever, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, Bed knobs and Broomsticks. Where would you put this movie in that list? Uh, that's a mix. Uh, I, honestly, I this is so weird, but I would actually put it above all of those movies. Jesus Louise, what are you talking about, yeah, Dave? Because Diamonds Are Forever is fucking terrible. Oh, so bad. Nicholas Alexander is like an hour and a half too long. What was the other one? Let's, Let's scare, scare Jessica, Jessica to death. To death. I really didn't like that movie. What was the last one? Bedknobs and broomsticks. Come on, bedknobs and broomsticks. I mean, uh, nostalgia. I have the nostalgia aside, for that. I, have I know, I know. That, and Angela Lansbury's in it, but it does not hold up at all. It, it, the last half definitely doesn't. Like oh, I agree man. with you. The last half Such is not good. Here's what I'm going to propose because I want to put it at the bottom of all of those. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> so let's split the difference and put it in the middle. You want to so drown let's... it. You want to put it in a small pond by your house and put this movie <laughs> exactly. under the water. So we're going to actually do this. We're going to go to Let's Scare Jessica to Death, go into that lake that they were in at the very end, drown this rat movie. But then somehow it reincarnates itself and uh, goes above that movie. That is what we're going to do. Um, so let me just do some quick um, spreadsheet action. This Ooh. hot spreadsheet action wow. that I'm going to do here right now. Oh, my. <laughs> is that what kids are calling these days? <laughs> Entering our list at the number 25 position is Willard. All right. Well, I am interested to know what our last movie of October is, Dave. You know, we are going to be... There on October 29th, two days before the spookiest day of the year. So let's push this button and see what we are watching. Oh, this is going to be interesting, Dave, because as far as like good horror movies go, this was until very recently in the top 250 films of all time on Letterboxd. It actually just came out. 
uh, or got pushed off that list. Um, it's called The Devils. All right. And it's supposedly A, terrifying, and B, could not be released in England. Whoa. Well, Whoa. Yeah. Nothing could be, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> prudes. All right. Let's do it. Let's get this over with. Let's do that. Um, thank you so much for joining us here today, Andrew. Yeah. Um, if people wanted to find out more about you, follow you online, what's the easiest way to do so? Uh, I do have a little podcast. It's called It's a Conspiracy. And you can go to itsaconspiracy.com and all of our information is there. We talk about conspiracies, but I promise I'm not a crazy conspiracy guy. You can't see him. He is wearing a tinfoil hat. <laughs> well, it transmits better. It does. Dave. It does. It's my, yeah, it's my headphones. That's fine. You'd understand. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, what is your greatest fear? Greatest fear. Yep. I know it's cliche again, but uh, the whole, like, it's a combination of the dentist and clowns mm. and like Oof. bumps Ooh, and dentist. spikes in nature. So if I pick up something that's got like a spiky pattern on it, it kind of freaks me out. And if it happens to be tied into like getting my teeth yanked out with, uh, with a clown involved, and just Ernest Borgnine masturbating. It's all just a big soup. <laughs> Jesus. A, a soup of fear. A movie like, with, I, starring <laughs> Ernest Borgnine as a, a masturbating dentist. Jesus Christ. We would be able to outgross Avatar oh. if Ernest Borgnine was still alive by making a movie called like Bozo DDS. And just him being like this psycho clown dentist thing. Ugh. Why'd you have to die so soon, Ernest Borgnine? <laughs> he was 90, just a young man in the prime <laughs> of his life. I find all three of you grosser than anything I've ever seen. Disgusting meat sacks.